Hello and welcome to Not So Molly Mormon Podcast. Hello and welcome back everyone. This is Sarah. And this is Katie. Welcome to Evil Satan Robot Bitch Club. <laughs> Admission is, um, I don't know, what, what do you have to do to be in the club? Um, you just have to not be a meanie pants. <laughs> yeah, if you're not a dickhead, you're allowed to come in. You are yeah. welcome. You can sit with us. <laughs> you can sit with us. Um, <laughs> yes. Also, fair warning in this episode, I have the windows open in my living room because it's hot as balls in Germany right now, and we don't have AC. So if you guys hear little birds chirping in the background, oh, that's, that's what it is. But I'm too hot to close the window. You're so, so hot, Sarah. I know, so, right? yeah. Um, yeah, fair warning also for me. My windows are closed, but um, last time I recorded in this room of my house, there were some landscapers outside, and I don't think that they're coming today, as far as I know, but let's just hope not. So anyways, get that out of the way. <laughs> get it out of the way. Um, also, speaking of last time we recorded, a big shout out again to Lynn, Katie's friend from childhood which was cool like from yeah. high school um, also I'm sorry yeah. you guys that my microphone cut out at the end um it's it was funny listening back to the recording because I was I was saying basically the same thing that you were Sarah but you yeah. couldn't hear me <laughs> and I was like oh like they're just moving along right quick and then towards the end when you were like Katie are you even there and I was like oh they can't even hear me. <laughs> so so thank you for being like bitches and not even acknowledging like whole story, Katie. Glad. No, no, I think it actually was even better because it let Lynn speak even more. So I was actually glad that it happened. It was nice, but I'm sorry that listeners, it was kind of awkward there at the end. That was my bad. Something happened with my audio, but anyway, yeah, but big thanks to Lynn. Cause that was such a lovely episode. We got so much good feedback. She was intelligent and enlightening and I loved it yeah super educational even though you know people of color do not need to educate white people on racism at all let's just like reiterate that point so we're super super grateful that Lynn even took the time to um, tell her story but also just provide really good resources and actually today um, I had lunch with a colleague and she's from Singapore and and we were we were talking about the racism that's uh, happening in the states as of right now and the protest and everything going on and then we were talking about her experiences in Berlin and she started talking about what Lynn was mentioning you know um, the model minority myth which I was so like happy and enthusiastic (laughs) because I knew like she wasn't she didn't explicitly say that word but what she was describing was what Lynn informed us of of the model minority myth and Mm -hmm. so like I was like oh my god I just learned about this last week and like uh you know it was like we had this really great um conversation that sparked more and more dialogue around this topic and so Thank you again, Lynn, for educating me. Um, it was me super too. helpful. And uh, yeah, it's great to continue to have these types of conversations with more and more people and just to be more enlightened and educated and informed on these topics. Um, yeah. So, and yeah, we well, got a lot of cool feedback, even like personal 
messages on my Instagram from friends who listened to the podcast saying it was like really great and very informative and just especially the the point Lynn talks about with anger after the church, which I think is a topic that it definitely needs to be addressed. And I'm glad that she brought that up because that's so relatable for everyone, no matter um, where you're from or, you know, how your your journey with losing or leaving the church begins or what, you know, it, everyone differs. But that seems to be a common um, experience and emotion that every ex-Mormon goes through is this anger stage. And some of us, it goes by quickly. Some of us, it's years. You know, some of us never let go. And so I thought it was really great that she talked about that. Yeah, we should dive into that more in a separate episode later. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, while we're on the topic of thanks, I want to thank our new patron. I think your name is pronounced Lara, L-A-R-A. Is that how you would pronounce it, Sarah? Like, it's Sarah, but Lara. (laughs) Yeah, I would say Lara. I do know in Germany that that spelling is still pronounced Lara. Oh, so interesting. So I well, don't, I don't know. Let's see. Last time I was correct. Last with time you Anna. were right. Yeah, you were right. <laughs> but thank you so much, uh, Lara, Laura, whatever your name pronunciation is. We just appreciate you being here and being a patron. Yes. Um, if you guys want to join us, I know I say it a lot, but we do get questions about this. You have to type in patreon.com slash not so Molly Mormon. You can't search for us. So anyway, that's how you find it. (laughs) Yeah. We we have explicit content. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Silly. It's because I have a potty mouth. Also, Ooh, another shout out. Sorry. I'm just on the grateful bus today, but um, I was looking at our recent reviews and they were, so sweet and so kind. So thank you guys for leaving such positive feedback and reviews um, on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen. But I just saw those reviews. And anytime you subscribe or leave a review, it helps us because it's in in the community because it helps people find us uh, easier. So, but it was really nice. Um, And the comments, the, the latest reviews were just... Oh, touched my heart. I don't know if you've read them, Katie, but I haven't yet. That'll be I'm excited. I'll go do that after we record. <laughs> yes. So thank you guys for that as well. Um cool. I think that's it. Other than yeah, keep on keeping on with the good fight, everyone. Um I don't want us to I feel like this topic that we're going into is still relevant to the issues that are happening right now and are still current and, but they're just a bit more Mormon centric than we've done. And maybe not so more, but not so more. That doesn't make <laughs> sense at all. <laughs> Speaking is hard. Um, we just want to emphasize that this topic is still on point and maybe, you know, usually we, we spice things up a bit and change the topic, but this is something that we don't want to do like we want to make sure that we're using our platform to continue this conversation because um, things that are happening currently in the states and around the world is not just okay we we talk about it for a week and we move on right um, we want to continue to talk about this and to use our platform to bring awareness to these issues and to do as much as we can on our side um, and then also you know still keeping in line with the overall 
topic of this podcast of Mormonism and leaving the church, but also discussing racism and especially in the church. And with that note, Katie, introduce us to our topic. Our topic today, well, Sarah and I, I don't know if we actually (laughs) decided on a title for this topic, but it's going to be centered around racism and BYU, right? Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Which you guys probably figured out because Katie posted that question about if anyone has experienced racism at BYU. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I'm also we just, her. there's, oh, sorry. I'm talking uh-huh. over you. <laughs> sorry. Oh my God. No, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, because um, there's, I think we posted about it. And by we, I mean Katie. I can't really remember. Um, about the petition that's going on or going around that's asking to change BYU, um, Mm -hmm. change the name, because obviously Brigham Young was a racist piece piece of shit, and uh, that needs to be removed. Yeah. That also kind of sparked this topic as well. Yeah. Um, So, listeners, I mean, I'm sure you all know, but I guess for the few who maybe haven't listened to our past episodes, BYU stands for Brigham Young University, and Brigham Young was the second prophet of the Mormon church, and he is the prophet who instituted the ban on black men having the priesthood and black people going into the temple, and um, he advocated for slavery, and he was just overall very very racist I mean he's just an evil horrible person like I don't well I don't want to say evil because anyways but he's (laughs) just a horrendous disgusting person not just with racism but with sexism with I mean everything like the quotes that this guy has are it's it's shocking to read yeah and also correct me if I'm wrong Katie because you're the the scholarly one oh, no. who researches, but um, <laughs> wasn't he also the prophet who was responsible for um, what is it, Meadow Massacre? Meadow, oh, Mountain Meadows Massacre, yes, yeah, yeah. So he was the prophet during that time, which we've covered, we covered a really long time ago, it was one of our first episodes, and he uh, it's he was the prophet at the time, and he had started this idea this I guess he preached about blood atonement which was essentially murdering people if you think they committed a sin and he taught that that was okay that was a commandment from God and there was a lot of yeah just excitement around that in the Mormon community and these math this massacre happened because of it I don't want to talk about it too much right here because it could take forever but he also he and a lot of the leaders at that time, instead of taking responsibility for the massacre, they blamed it on the Native American people. So there's also that aspect of his racism. So, yeah, yes, exactly. He, he's just he, you look back on, uh, you know, history and he's just one of the worst people in history as far as racism goes, especially like someone who's supposed to be a religious leader and talking to God. Um, I think that Mormons will say, what I hear anyway, is they'll say, oh, he was a product of his time and everyone was racist at that time. But the truth is there were a lot of people who were not nearly as racist as he was during the time he was alive. So I don't think that's a bad argument. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
but BYU is obviously named after him. So there's BYU in Provo, there's BYU Idaho, and there's BYU Hawaii, all named after him. And I don't know about the campuses in Idaho or Hawaii, but at BYU they have like a statue of him, right, Sarah? Yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> that's also gross. I mean, what are you doing? Uh, but they they don't, um, yeah, they don't, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> they don't condemn Brigham Young or his racism no. in the church. They just let, just let it be. And they have these monuments to him, which is crazy. I just, mm, I don't know what to even think about that. <laughs> the thing is, is, they don't even teach you about, like, it's a very, okay, so first of all, I will admit, I did not know anything about Brigham Young, even when I was at BYU. <laughs> like, I just didn't know. I knew he was a second prophet in the Mormon church, and that was it. Like, I didn't know any of his teachings. I didn't know any of his quotes. Didn't know any of that stuff. Like, I knew, okay, yeah, he he led the Mormons to Utah. Like, he, and he was a second prophet. Like, that's, that's all I knew. Um going into BYU like nothing more yeah they conveniently don't teach you about it because if they did openly teach that in like primary or Sunday school people would get very turned off and they wouldn't want to subscribe to a church that has that as one of their very first prophets someone that supposedly was a man of God and the mouthpiece of God on earth and the church has never apologized for it. And if you learned that openly, I think a lot of people would leave. Yeah. I mean, what, what they do in the church is they very, like they focus on Joseph Smith because he was the first prophet, but also they always say like, Oh, Joseph Smith, he wasn't racist. Like he, you know, helped out black people in the community and, blah, 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 blah. And then they kind of just skip over Brigham Young and then they go to like the other prophets. So you just think like, oh man, the Mormon church was so progressive back in the day and like nope. so people. And and then you get a bit confused because then you're like, wait a minute, but why didn't um, black people have the priesthood until 1978? And then this kind of like community like, oh, well, you know, it was, it was a product of the time, you know, yeah. like, there was just too much going on at that time in the church, you know, like the prophet knew that it just wasn't the right time yet. And then you're kind of like, Oh, all right. My argument argument for that is we hear that a lot. We'll say it wasn't the right time. And they'll say, if, if the Mormon church had let black men have the priesthood, then they would have received even more opposition and more persecution. And what I, and yeah, like you said, the prophets knew it wasn't the right time yet. And I want to say to that, you know what they, they did openly, they practiced polygamy, which was illegal and they were and having sex with young teenage girls. Like that <laughs> that was not the right time. That caused persecution. So why not at least do one right thing and not be racist amid all of that? You know what I mean? Like that yeah, argument doesn't make sense. <laughs> and also, I know I, I've said this last week. I said the week before, but y'all, I'm still on my soapbox about this. I it infuriates me how many messages I have received from Mormons who are offended by the stuff that I post because I'm like calling out racism in the church. And then 
I use the scripture in Second Nephi, and I get so many people sending messages like, that's not what the verse means. It's not a literal curse. Like, they're not saying that, you know, God cursed the Lamanites with dark skin. They're saying he's like, they're cursed because they're cut off from the presence of God. And I just want to say bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. All of the, the quotes that you read from these prophets teach that doctrine. Oh, yeah. They do not teach that, oh, you know, the Lamanites were cursed um, to be cut off in the presence of God. That's it. No, it's always they're, cur- they're, they're cursed with dark skin, with with the blah, 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 blah. Like, it's, yes. it's all the quotes say that. So I'm sorry, but yes. fuck off everyone who keeps sending <laughs> messages saying that that's not what the scripture means. It is. If you it believe is. in the prophets and revelation and everything, they've been preaching that for many, many, many years. And it's still the doctrine to like, I think they tweaked it now a bit. And now they say, oh, it's, it doesn't mean that. It means being cut off from the presence of God. And it's a metaphor. Well, it's How convenient. Just, yeah. So until 1978, there were dozens of prophets who all taught that it was a literal curse of dark skin. It And it still says in the Book of Mormon in many places that the curse is a curse of a skin of blackness. It doesn't get much more literal than that. And people, yeah, want to change that and say that it's a metaphor when that's not actually what it has ever Ben, it's so that's gaslighting. Those messages you're getting are like gaslighting at its finest. Like it's not actually what it says. It's this, and that's unacceptable to me. Like no, open up to the truth of it. And if you want change, advocate for your leaders or whatever to take those scriptures out if you want. But you can't just decide to, that you can change what they mean. Exactly. Wouldn't that be nice, Katie, if any time we said something that was fucked up, we could just be like, no, 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 no. You're misinterpreting it. It's a metaphor. Mm. And just turn it. Like, that's what the church does all the time. Is it yeah. literally just says, no, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. You're misinterpreting that. Like, they're this like, is what it means. They're like an abusive partner in that yeah. way. With they're always making you think that you're crazy and you're not understanding and you're not smart enough and you're not spiritual enough. So you don't get it. But let us explain to you how what this says isn't actually what it means. And if you actually just took the time to be as spiritual as me, you would understand. Uh, oh, okay. God. <laughs> oh, my God. I just can't, you guys. And my blood pressure just keeps rising with these motherfuckers. Because I'm, I'm not stopping So, and it's interesting to me as well, and I don't know, Katie, I'm sure you've experienced the same, that it's funny whenever they send these messages, and if you respond with all the facts, and you send source after source after source, they just don't acknowledge the sources, and, like, keep fighting, and, like, respond with scriptures, or, like, church sources, and I'm like, no, 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 those don't count, like, do you not understand how those don't count, like, I'm using as unbiased as I can get, like, these types of resources, or even some in the Mormon church. I will send those and be like, this is actually what it says. This is on the church website. Yeah. And they still just, like, refuse to acknowledge that and keep beating the dead horse. Like, they just keep beating it over and over again. But this is, you know, the church is about equality and love and charity. Read this scripture on charity. And it's like, cool story, bro. I'm glad that the scriptures <laughs> say about, you know, charity and love, but it also says a whole bunch of racist bullshit and the entire book of Mormon is racist in and of itself and completely devoids all native American history that actually happened. And now yeah. they just want to make up their own shit 
and say that that's the fact and then also say that missionary work is not essentially colonialism like it's it's not that katie it's oh, not it's, that they're like forcing beliefs and trying to civilize people <laughs> my favorite is how in those discussions with me most of the time they end with like you said i'll send source after source quote after quote scripture and i but it ends with them basically just saying I believe it because it feels good like I I believe this because I have faith and I prayed so they don't really care I mean they should care about the facts but they get defensive because they don't want to be labeled as racist and so they don't want to deal with it and then they just say well I got a warm fuzzy so bye you bear your testimony and I'm like I swear to god if one more Mormon bears their testimony to me I'm gonna lose my shit and I say that because I used to be that person. Actually, no. I, you guys, no, you weren't. I, I, I didn't bear my testimony to people. No, you like, weren't that bad. I mean, maybe I did like one or two, but it was like extreme points where even I felt cringy about it afterwards. But like, I just can't imagine like completely just dismissing someone's point. <laughs> like, I don't know, you guys. It's, Sarah, it's frustrating. I would like to bear my testimony. <laughs> I know that this podcast is true. I know that Brigham Young was a racist piece of shit, and <laughs> I love my family and my friends, and I'm thankful for everything. Okay, name of Jesus Christ, amen. <laughs> and, and, and please bless um, the cookie I will eat later to nourish and strengthen my body. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, bless you, Jesus. Bye. Oh, my God. Okay, so should we talk more about, like, the racism around BYU? Yes, but can I first set the scene a bit with Brigham Young? Please do. Please do. You guys, I researched. (laughs) I'm just saying. Go Sarah. Go Sarah. Because I, like, find this shit so... I'm I'm just... Yeah. I just can't anymore with this shit. So I thought it would be interesting to first set the scene on Brigham Young and how the church depicts him. Okay? Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, Uh So we can see, like, go into the actual history of it later. But the first is, this is how the church sets him up. And I get this from, so fucking haters who are listening, which I know they wouldn't be. (laughs) But if we have any Mormons, this is straight (laughs) from LDS.org. This is from Teachings of Presidents of the Church, edition Brigham Young. Okay. Chapter one. It's called The Ministry of Brigham Young. And there's a whole book. Um, So for those of you who didn't grow up Mormon, um, each quarter, I think it is, or maybe it's a year. I can't be, I can't remember, to be honest. They have um, a manual that they teach with in Sunday school. Mm -hmm. And it's like the prof, like recently they've been doing like, they pick a prophet and do his teachings from this manual. And I remember Brigham Young, like um, this was maybe two years before I left the church because it was in Berlin and I had that manual. I wish I would have kept it, but I threw it away. Um, and it's like all, like every lesson is about Brigham Young and how they depict him. You guys, I, that's why I had no idea how bad he was. No idea because of oh. how they, they portray him. So, okay. So I'm not going to read the whole thing, obviously, but This is just how they set it up. Brigham Young was born in Vermont in 1801, the ninth of 11 children of John and Abigail Young. 
He grew to manhood on the heavily wooden lands of central New York State, where his family's home and surroundings land became his classroom. His parents were poor, he later said, We never had the opportunity of letters in our youth, but we had the privilege of picking up brush, chopping down trees, rolling logs, and working amongst the roots and of getting our shins, feet, and toes bruised. Brigham Young worked hard to help clear the land, farm, and help with household chores. Guys, are you ready for this one? He never forgot his father's strict moral training or how his mother taught her children all the time to honor the name of the father and the son and to reverence the Bible. She said, read it, uh, blah, 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 blah. Oh, wait, that's not the right person. Sorry, guys. It's later on. He talks about, um, I won't get into it, basically talks about how Brigham Young also like helped in the home. And he was like, you know, his his wife was sick. She had tuberculosis. And so he, they make a point to say she became progressive, progressively more bedridden. He regularly prepared breakfast for the family, dressed his daughters, cleaned up the house and, quote, carried his wife to the rocking chair by the fireplace and left her there until he could return in the evening when he cooked supper, got his family into bed and finished the household household chores. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wait, oh. hold on, hold on. Are they just saying that this, pretending that this is his one wife? Yeah. Yep. You guys, he had 55 wives. Exactly. Yep. And they, they don't talk oh. about any of that. They just talk about this wife and how, um, it, and then it says on, um, oh God, his experiences in his youth and early marriage and caring for children and managing a home taught him much about family corporation and housekeeping. Years later, he counseled the saints on this subject and teasingly boasted that he could beat most of the women in the community at housekeeping. What? (laughs) When I read that, I was like, what? So this is the best that they can dig up to try to make him seem likable? Yeah. Yep. Uh... (laughs) I know. I know. And then they also talk about, like, how he, you know, when he came across the Book of Mormon, he read it, I think they said twice, I could be wrong, um, but that, like, he had to know for himself and that how he later on teaches the saints that, you know, God wants you to basically, like, not be led by, oh, here's a quote, um, God did not intend them to be led entirely by another person, suspending their own understanding and pinning their faith upon another's sleeve. It is my duty to know the mind of the Lord concerning myself. It is your duty and privilege to live so that you know when the word of the Lord is spoken to you and when the mind of the Lord is revealed to you. So basically saying that like he wasn't like he 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 came to this conclusion himself. He asked the <laughs> Lord. He like you know, wasn't just convinced immediately. He got personal revelation. <laughs> exactly. And then oh, I talks about how he, literal quote, Brigham nursed Miriam, who's his one wife that they talk about, through the <laughs> final weeks of her consumptive illness. She died in September 1832. So he nursed her. Guys, if you read the comments that he's made about women, it's like, so disgusting that they even portray him as this great husband and that's man. So disgusting. He literally treated women 
as if they were property. I mean, that's that's what they were to early Mormons, as you know, in the polygamy times. Women and children were property. And yep. yeah, so to portray him in this way of like this loving, caring, doting husband is so far off base and really misleading. It's it's horrible. And then they just they only mentioned that he got remarried a second time. They again, like I maybe I'm wrong and it's somewhere buried deep in this uh, manual that they talk about his polygamy. But I have not seen that. Um, it just talks about him marrying his second life and then second wife and then like leading the saints out to Utah, basically. Um, yeah. When I was a Mormon, I basically, that's all I knew about Brigham Young was that he led the saints to Utah and he said, this is the place. And that's where they built Salt Lake City. And I think I kind of knew about polygamy, but I just buried it and I didn't think about it. Yeah, no, I. <laughs> but I had no idea that he was like as racist as he was, because obviously they're not going to tell you that. Mm-hmm. Um, OK, yeah. So, I mean, I'm not going to like if if you guys have time, go through and read it because it's just. Basically, my point with this is how they present him as like he's this amazing, great guy, and he had um. Wait, here we go. There's there's a quote. His unwavering faith in God, his dedication, experience, and sense of humor, his love for gospel doctrine and ordinances, and his understanding of priesthood order and church organization enabled him to move the saints toward one oneness of heart and mind. His great sense of humor. Oh. Mm. Ew. Mm. Yeah. On that note, this is perfect, actually, to juxtapose against it. I'm going to read a quote that he said. Yes. It's in the Journal of Discourses, Volume 7, uh, page 290. Quote, you see some classes of the human family that are black, uncouth, uncomely, disagreeable, and low in their habits, wild, and seemingly deprived of nearly all the blessings of the intelligence that is generally bestowed upon mankind. Cain slew his brother. Cain might have been killed, and that would have put a termination to that line of human beings. This was not to be, and so the Lord put a mark upon him, which is the flat nose and the black skin. (gasps) So, he does not have a good sense of humor. He is terrible. Oh, my God. Yeah. You guys. (laughs) (laughs) It's outrageous. Like, yeah, I can't. That I love so much that you looked up what they teach about him, because that does just go to show how they completely wash it and make it seem so much better than it is. It's disgusting. And then they also talk about. (laughs) Just can't get over this. They make him seem like he's such a progressive, like, um, that he's a feminist. They they even go on, recognizing that Zion cannot be built without the sisters, President Young reestablished the Relief Society in 1867 as it had been organized in Nauvoo by the prophet Joseph Smith. The women assisted bishops in providing relief to the poor and afflicted, encouraged families to make at home whatever they needed 
taught one another the gospel and supervised the teaching of younger women and children. Y'all, that just yeah. sounds like they gave him, they gave the women work to do and made them like stay at home and like. Yeah. Thanks so much, Brigham. You gave us a <laughs> chore to make casseroles for everyone. Wow. Progressive. <laughs> he's, uh, like, he's so concerned about the women of Zion and knows that they just can't. They couldn't have done it without them. Well, no, you couldn't have because they fucking did everything. So, yeah, yeah. but got Ooh. no recognition. And <laughs> you guys, and then also this is so one last thing on this, uh, because this is just the chapter one. There's an entire manual about Brigham Young that they still use. Wow. In like, I, I don't know if it's in the rotation now, but it's still on the website. It's on LDS.org. Um, where was the word? Here they go. So this, so the chapter, is says chapter one, the ministry of Brigham Young. And then underneath it is like the italicized section. That's kind of like, you know, the abstract of this um, chapter. Uh-huh. But this is the word that they use to describe him, which I find very interesting. Brigham Young was the second president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saint, the colonizer and builder mm-hmm. of a great commonwealth of Latter-day Saints in the America West. And a devoted husband and father. Ew. Yeah. When you guys read Colonizer, Commonwealth, like, for me, that was, like, Commonwealth, colonialism. Like, these are all the things that I'm thinking of, which I'm like, yeah, okay, missionary work is that. And a devoted husband. They don't mention a devoted husband to 55 wives. Yeah, that doesn't sound very devoted to me. How much time can you actually give your wife if there are 54 others? Not to mention a bunch of them are teenagers and you're old. Like, that doesn't sound devoted to me. Nope. Anyway, so guys, that is the setup of how Brigham Young is presented in the church. And we're not exaggerating. This is from the church's website. This is from the manuals they use to teach. This is why I didn't know any of the shit about him until after I left. Actually, that's a lie. I, when I was in Nauvoo, I remember there's like quotes by prophets mm-hmm. along this path. Mm-hmm. And there were quite a few from Brigham Young that I was like, whoa, these are shocking and these are bad. And as a Mormon, I was like, oh, and that was the first time I kind of thought like, huh. That's interesting yeah. because Nauvoo is not owned by the Mormon church. Like it's actually owned by um, the church that Emma like went to after Joseph died. Yeah. Um, it was whatever they want to say, martyr. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, so like it's interesting because it's those quote, like you can tell it's not the same marketing to like make the church seem brilliant and amazing. So that was the first time I ever saw a little bit where I was like, whoa, that's what he yeah. said. And then I didn't know any of it until after I left the church and until Katie, actually, you started telling me about stuff. And I was like, what? And then when I read this ES letter and how he used to believe in like the Adam atonement and like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He he believed um, and taught that Adam was God. Yeah. From Adam and Eve was God. And he taught blood atonement, which we've talked about, which is super terrible. So, yeah, he's overall not a good guy and it's I think it's super problematic that there are universities named after someone like that yeah Um, it's like that Instagram account that's like 
social media versus reality, the LDS church shows like Brigham Young social media style and yeah. reality is the truth about how much of a racist asshole he is and just a yeah. human being. But yeah, Instagram, yeah. social media version, it has all the filters on it. <laughs> so <laughs> I know. And it's, you know, but it when you think about it, it's so much worse than even just having his name and his statue. It's like, it's that um, ideology and that racism. It makes it so that if you're at that school, it seems like it's more acceptable and it just runs through that school. Even now, it's there's so many racist things that happen. And it, that's like no wonder, because if it's founded on something as racist as Brigham Young, then, of course, that's going to be seen as, I don't know, maybe somewhat acceptable or it just keeps happening. And yeah, like we, I like we said, like the racism in Mormonism is real. And so, of course, it's going to be a real problem at the university, too. Yep, and this is a university I went to, and you guys, it's diversity is non-existent basically at this yep. university. It's like, and I think it's like eighty-three percent white, um, and then I think it was only like one percent was black and a few percent Asian of some kind. Um, but it's really mostly white, almost all Mormon. Yeah, and this isn't stuff that like. We're not talking about racism at BYU that happened a few years ago or, you know, that it's ridiculous that they would ask to have the name change because it's stuff in the past. When I was researching, yes, everyone, researching, you heard that correctly. <laughs> um, I came across two articles that are recently, like as in the month of June, talking about racism at BYU specifically. Yeah, so this is too. recent. <laughs> Did you see the one? Um, I think you and I have touched on this just lightly before, but did you see the article? It was from February of this year about um, there were panelists. They were all people of color, yeah. and they. You did you see this? They uh they were leading leading a discussion about being like immigrants at BYU, and so they were like discussing their lives at BYU and the audience members could anonymously submit questions for the moderator to ask yep. these panelists. And I have a list here of um, some questions that started popping up from the audience yeah, at BYU. Horrible. Right? Yeah, so among the questions were, why don't we have any white people on stage? Yep. That's the first one I was going to say. And when I read that, I was like, oh, my God. Um, oh, my God. What is the percentage of African-Americans on food stamps? I did not know this one. Oh, yeah. I got a few more. Why do African-Americans hate the police? If they would obey the law and do what they say, we wouldn't have this problem. Um, how is it to be black? I don't see color. Oh, why don't we have a white history month? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the the moderator obviously didn't read these questions, but like they, they came up on the screen and then they were removed. Um, and I found this really interesting. This man named David James Gonzalez, who's a history professor at BYU, 
said on Twitter, he said, since my arrival at BYU in fall of 2018, not one week has passed without a student typically identifying as a person of color, female, or LGBTQ+, sharing an experience where racist, sexist, or anti-LGBTQ comments have been made in classrooms and common areas. And that was from a professor at BYU, so he's probably Mormon as well. Saying, yeah, I, I think that that's the same, and I could be totally wrong, but I read this article that was talking about a professor at BYU who, um, outside either his office or in his department, posted something about Black Lives Matter and about racism, stuff like that, and he got all these, like, comments, like, from the students, or who, it was, like, anonymous, you know, mm-hmm. that was just, like, completely inappropriate and racist response to his um like his post that was outside on like a bulletin board I think yeah yeah I saw that oh um and again just another note on that panel there was a student there who's a person of color and she said she um let's see she wrote she went home and started crying about those offensive questions and she said I'm crying because I know that tomorrow I'm going to have to go to class and be on campus with people who generally believe I am inferior to them because of my color, the color of my skin. I hope that everyone who reads this feels prompted to check in with themselves and ask what they are doing to fight racism. It's not enough to just be not racist and watch idly by as people of color suffer every day from micro and macro aggressions. Wow. This was just this year. Like, yeah, this is before. <laughs> all of the recent protests and the horrible police brutality and injustices that are out in the open. Like, I mean, obviously we know this has been happening for years and years oh, and yeah. years. Um, so it's not anything new, um, but it's obviously we're now in a time where people can video and it's more exposed. And so mm-hmm. this happened in February before any of this, you know, the current situation right now. And I remember I'm reading several articles about this because the the panel they tweeted about it and, and um, it was quite it was it was even going around non Mormon circles like it was quite yeah. a national thing um, yeah. and you would think that that would <laughs> inspire them to do more but I don't know Katie if you if you read this article um, it was published on my birthday <laughs> June third. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you guys, this is bad. I don't remember the publication. I want to say the Washington, but I'll have to go back and give my sources. Sorry, guys. Um, but I don't know if you read it. It's by Lisey Merkley. Um, no, I don't think I read this one. Ah, okay. So it talks about racism. The title is Racism Continues to Surface in the Church and at BYU. Mm. So this was just a few weeks ago. Um. But so basically, I'll just read a, a, a bit. So it it comments on the fact that, like, you know, both Russell M. Nelson and the BYU president, Kevin J. Worthen, how they issue these statements. on uh, I think it says here, June 1st, condemning racism in any form and calling for a change. They acknowledge that racism is a continuing problem in the nation and on campus after na- nation- nationwide protests over the recent deaths of Ahmed Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and George Floyd became catalysts for nationwide protests and violence. BYU and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints <laughs> <laughs> have experienced issues with racism for years, and people of color are struggling to find the respite and 
res- I'm so bad at respite, right? And refuge mm-hmm. that majority find in these places. And this is the percentage that you were talking about. So BYU student body is largely Caucasian. 81% of students identify as Caucasian. 81%. That's crazy. That's so wow. much. Yeah. yeah. It's so disgusting. Well, black students make up 1% of the school's population. So then it gives a perspective of one of the students, and I'm, I apologize in advance. I know I'm mispronouncing the name. Kofi Adu, I believe, um, said coming to BYU was very isolating for him because he was one of a handful of black students at BYU. And he goes on to say, when I first got here, you just felt out of place. You're just the only one in the room for everything, church, gym, classes, meetings. Whenever you're the only black person in the room, you're most looked at to represent every black person in the world for these people, end quote. Um, And then it says, though feeling out of place as a minority doesn't equate to racism, attitudes that frame non-white students as other do. So I just find it's it's so, it, it goes into... Sorry, I'm reading a lot of it and I won't go into any more, but it's just, it's a really good article if you haven't read it, but it talks about today's racism within the church can be traced back to its early attempts to be seen as a white church. According to Paul Reeve, a professor of Mormon history at the University of Utah, Reeve found that in the 19th century, the church accepted Native Americans and African Americans into its congregations when the rest of white Americans believe most people should be rejected and segregated. As a result, you have... The conflation of Latter-day Saints with other marginalized groups, he said. According to Reeve, the church then tried to distance itself from minority converts and members by implementing race-based restrictions. The church's gospel topic essay on race and the priesthood, which is the one that came out recently, um, the, the statement that Russell M. Nelson made, says Brigham Young announced that black Latter-day Saint men could. Oh, sorry, that's not the right one. Apologies, I'm I'm incorrect. Um, this is the one that President Brigham Young announced that Black Latter Day Saint men could no longer receive the priesthood in 1852, and Reeve said their priesthood restrictions solidified by Joseph F. Smith in 1908. So that's a different one. The essay I'm talking about. I can't remember what's the name of the one, the most recent one. I don't remember what the most recent one is, but the one that you're that it's talking about there is one of the gospel topics essays that's on the church's website. So it like tries to excuse why racism was such a thing, but it does a terrible job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's horrible. And 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 I found it really interesting that so this whole idea that he talks about like you know the Mormons being wanting to be this white church and whiteness. And he says this, even in the 21st century, this image of whiteness stuck with the church. Reeve pointed to Mitt Romney being called the whitest white man to run for president in the New York Times as proof that Mormonism and whiteness are still connected. In the 19th century, Mormons were perceived as not white enough, Reeve said, but by the 20th and 21st century, they have become too white. And many of the racist attitudes Reeve traces back to the church's early history have been spilled into BYU's campus culture. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the, oh, this is the one that I was, oh, my God. In November, so I'm, I'm assuming November 2019, it doesn't say, but I'm going to assume that that's what they mean. Someone posted unorth- unauthorized stickers and posters around campus that contain white supremacist messages. And there's a link to that article as well. Okay, I'm glad you brought this up because I wanted to touch on this. Please so, do. 
Okay, so I don't know if this is specifically from this exact organization, but I think it is, you know, I would bet, I would bet money it's from this organization I'm going to tell you about. They call themselves Deseret Nation, and they're like white nationalist Mormons, and they're on uh, Instagram under, or uh, Twitter mostly, under the hashtag Desnet, and don't look it up, it's fucking horrible, Um, but they are like, huge supporters of Brigham Young. They're openly and wildly like racist and sexist and often violent. They're like really big defenders of what they call like the original doctrine. Um, And they have all of these like campaigns and hashtags and posts that say things like, here, I have some right here. They say things like, Brigham Young did nothing wrong. They even have that as a hashtag. Um, What? Yeah, they posted a video of, like, the white supremacists at, you know, how they were all outraged at the demolition of some of the Southern general leader statues from the Civil War. They posted that video, and they said, we better do this if they come for Brother Brigham. Like, they call Brigham Young Brother Brigham and are like, if they come for him and try to change the name of BYU and try to take down the statue of him, we better go defend it with like with our lives because he's a prophet of God and we don't apologize. And they um, like they openly mocked the Black Lives Matter protest that was in Provo. It was a small one, but they openly mocked it with the hashtag ELM, which is Eternal Lives Matter. <gasps> yeah. Oh. So I'm like 99% sure that this, this this terrible awful group is um where the where those like stickers came from that you were just talking about oh, on BYU wow. campus. Yeah. It's Ugh. it's it, it like that it, it, I think that says so much that that fosters like BYU feels like a safe place for these horrible people to come out and to get together and to post things all over the place about like white supremacy like they're Nazis and they feel like they it's okay for them to do this type of thing in the name of the church and the prophets and God. It's so oh. gross. You guys, I just uh Um, I do think it's, it's worth noting as well that, yeah, so obviously we're talking about all the horrible racism that exists, um, at BYU. And as I mentioned before in this article, there are two, um, students at BYU, two black students, um, Harper and Adu. And I just want to, like, they also, they even offer solutions, which I think they need to be heard even more so because it's a, it's the right step in the direction of how BYU can change and improve. Like, obviously, changing the name is the first start, taking down those racist and offensive statues, and also changing the culture. But they, they split it into to the solution into three steps, except that racism is an issue. Mm-hmm. which is something the church still hasn't done. It hasn't done it at BYU. And the second is have empathy for those who suffer due to racism, which mm-hmm. we all know that that doesn't exist. Sorry, I just had a burp um, at BYU. And the third one is show up and help. And they even go into like specific ways that the that BYU can help. Like um, at an institutional level, they can add a general education course about race and ethnicity, like sociology. 
323, Sociology of Race and Ethnicity, um, for a class for the students and faculty members. Also, this is one that I think is like so crazy to me that it didn't exist before. And as someone who went to BYU and had to sign the fucking honor code every semester whenever I did the ecclesiastical endorsement, or maybe I only signed it once, but you have to you have this interview once a, a semester. It's not in the honor code. You know what? Oh, my God. I was literally just going to ask you this next. So, yeah, this is crazy. Like, I was just because you were never asked during your ecclesiastical ecclesiastical endorsement or whatever. Like, do you participate in racist like ideologies? You probably weren't asked that, right? No, no, no. The only thing that the honor code says is that students and faculty it's actually in this article. So I'm not just like haven't memorized it. It says students and faculty should respect others, but it doesn't include anything about racist comments or attitudes. Nothing. Yeah, that's a, such a good point. Like, it's not in the honor code. It's not in your ecclesiastical endorsement with your bishop, which says a lot. Like, they'll ask you how, when, and why you masturbate, but they're not going to ask you if you're not racist. Like, yeah, come on. Exactly. exactly. And <laughs> And yeah, you guys, so it, it's not even in the honor code, which I find it's just gross. You're like Katie was saying, it's like we're going to be pervy and ask you if you committed a sexual sin or if you masturbated, because that takes precedence over how you treat people and human equality and like not being racist assholes. Like it just it blows my mind. But that's also a check for me, like a a white privilege check for me for sure. Because when I read that, I was like, you know, I never even, I never even considered that that should be in the honor code when I went there because I never experienced racism ever because I'm white and I never will. And so it's just this, like, it it was a reality check for me. Like, Whoa, like, yeah, I I never even realized that that was missing, but I'm sure people of color do realize that it's missing because they experience it on a daily I feel like it speaks volumes, too, about, like, the culture and the just even the church in general. It just speaks volumes about what is prioritized and what is important. Like, and, yeah, I'm sure it's noticeable to people of color, but not to us because we've always just lived in this white privilege of, like, don't even have to think about it, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so before I – so. Again, read this article. I'll post it on Instagram. Um, <laughs> but I like what he ends on. So so this professor, Reeves, at the University of Utah, who um, teaches about Mormon history, he says, um, the church and its leaders need to do more than just speak out against racism and acknowledge that some previous teachings within the church were racist. The Gospel Topics essay on race and the priesthood says the church doesn't stand by these teachings and leaders now condemn all forms of racism, both in the present and past. Reeves goes on to say, we taught that, we practiced, produced, created racism, and it was wrong. That's what the church needs to say, Reeves said. Until the church actively teaches anti-racism, we'll be stuck with our racism. Yeah, that's so good. Because, yeah, they, they can say, oh, we don't we don't um, teach racism anymore, but that's not enough. No, like, you need you, to acknowledge that you fucked up. Yes. And, and apologize. Those, and those prophets, you still call them prophets of God. Like, so you still st- 
stand by what they say. So if you don't apologize and really, like he said, you're not really being anti-racist if you're just like, oh, we don't do it anymore. But if you, yeah, if you pay into this and buy into this and you still think that Brigham Young was a true prophet of God, like you're just adding to the problem because they created so much pain for, for people of color. Yeah, and exactly. And on that on that topic, what a good segue back to old Brigham, Brigham Young, and why he's a racist piece of shit. Um, this is the other thing is that Mormons will often defend and what we talked about before where they're like, oh, no, the the church doesn't teach that anymore. And it's never it was never interpreted that way. That's not what the scriptures mean. That's not what they taught, blah, blah, blah. Well, I have a gem of a quote for you guys. <laughs> so this is uh, in an article that maybe, Katie, you have as well by Tazi uh, Young. Oh, that was such a good article. Right? It was so good. And it's in the Salt Lake Tribune, I believe. Yeah. Um, I'm really bad about because, you guys, I don't I don't have access to most newspapers in the U.S. because they don't, like, you can't read them in Europe. So I have to use, like, a VPN in order to get these articles. So I have to, like, copy and paste into an email. And <laughs> anyway, so that's why sometimes you guys are like, why is she so ridiculous? Why can't she just, like, cite things? That's why I promise, because sometimes it doesn't copy and paste everything. Anyways, um... So this is a person who's received two degrees from BYU, just to set the background, um, but obviously is talking about the racism that's within the church and especially within BYU. Um, so this is a little section, which Katie, I'm sure you remember, but oh God, this quote was, is so horrific, but it's this is how Brigham Young actually was and not how the LDS church depicts him and just you guys remember, remember the first part of the episode and how <laughs> we talked about it in the manual. So, quote, Young single-handedly created and ingrained teachings of racial violence, segregation, and white moral authority that enabled a social norm that not only taught oppressed black lives, but taught his followers that white supremacy was a mandate from God. In a speech to the Utah legislature on January 23rd, 1852, Young said, which also you guys, there's a link to this actual quote, so it's it's factual. Young said, inasmuch as we believe in the Bible, we must believe in slavery. This colored race have been subjected to severe curses, which they have brought upon themselves. And until the curse is removed by him with a capital H, who placed it upon them, they must suffer under its consequences. Okay. Oh, yep. Oh, yep. Um, yeah. I mean, white supremacy. Yep. And, and yeah, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, I was just going to say like, you, yeah, spot on. I, I actually had that part of that quote in my notes too, because it really showed how, he created that that much of what is the racism that exists now in Mormonism was created and like cultivated by him. I mean, there you know there was racism already happening, but he just amplified it so much more. Yep, yep, it's so true. And 
this this perspective of the writer of this article and his experience at BYU, it also like again it was a a white privilege check for me and just a whiteness check in that like I I didn't even make this connection. I did realize that you know I did mention and talk about the fact that there was a lack of diversity at BYU and how um, it was just. I had never seen something like that because I come from South Georgia where that's not the case, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And then I moved out to BYU and I was just like, oh my God, this is crazy. Um, but he points out this fact too. I, I, so he basically he's like, you know, Young's te- teachings are, you know, completely embedded at BYU culture. But he says, I left BYU having never had a black professor after eight years of classes. And the only two black faculty I knew of were being pushed out of their positions. I felt Young's teachings when I stood shirtless hands in the air under a police spotlight on the side of the Utah highway being unlawfully searched as my children looked on from our minivan. Mm. And and when I think about that, it's true. I, I didn't have one black professor at BYU one I can't even think of one person of color as a as a professor they were all all of my professors were white all of them yeah that doesn't surprise me wow (sighs) yeah and then they like have these you know he also talks about this like calculated campaigns and flashy photo ops the LDS church uses that makes me so mad. Can we just talk about that for a yeah, second? Yeah, of course. Like oh, the I hadn't really thought about that, but you just bringing that up just triggered me. Like they really do, they do photo ops and they they publish photos of maybe leaders or just people of color that they say are members of their church and they post them everywhere. But then you go to BYU and you see there are basically no people of color. It's so... Oh, it's so misleading, you know? (laughs) I know. And even even the new article that they published with, you know, Nelson talking about how he condemns racism. You guys, I pulled it up today, and the cover image is, it's such a photo op. Like, it's, I think it's two or three black people in the photo, and they're smiling, and it's it's trying to make it seem like, oh, man, the church is great, and they're not racist at all. We're just going to put this photo here and make it seem like it's perfect. It's it's so, ugh, I just can't. Like, when I looked at it, I was like, wow, like, this is crazy. Um, yeah. And I think this this writer, it's a really good article, highly suggest reading it. But he sums it up so well. I think everything that we're trying to say or talk about um, today, a quote, today, the LDS church calls on others to look inside. These are quotes from that recent press release that Nelson did to look inside and find racist practices and practices and root them out. However, this hypocritical call comes from a religious empire and financial behemoth that in part stands as a monument to the actions and teachings of Brigham Young and white supremacy. So we're talking about with calculated campaigns and flashy photo ops, the LDS church uses the words of racial justice, but has completely and utterly failed 
to look at its own roots and repent and atone for the violence and oppression in its own history, especially the effects of teachings of Brigham Young. It is time for the LDS Church to take diminutive steps to look at its own roots and eradicate the teachings, philosophy, and structures of white supremacy that were started by Brigham Young and which are blatantly practiced and espoused by many at my alma mater. Brigham Young had his day. It's time for a new day where black lives are not subjected to ingrained white morality, whispered doctrines of whiteness and whitewashed perspectives on all things from biology to jurisprudence, which I don't even know how to pronounce that word. The LDS Church can start this process and clearly show students, faculty, alumni, and the larger faith community that it is serious about rooting out the racial injustices in its own body. It is time to change the name of BYU. Yes. So, so good. I love that article. Mm -hmm. Um, I I guarantee if you send this to a Mormon, they'll still try to defend it some way. (laughs) Oh, I know. It's just so... I don't get it. Like, come on, just admit that Brigham Young was terrible and let's all move on. But another thing that I was thinking is that it's tough because we know that the church and BYU was built on white supremacy and currently runs, you know, everything does on white supremacy. And so changing the name of it, I think, Obviously, it's a step in the right direction to change it from BYU, but also it doesn't really change what's already happened. You know, it's like it's embedded in the actual church and the culture. And it's tough for me because I know that like progressive Mormons maybe are like wanting a change and they're trying their best to change. So maybe they'd be all about changing the name of BYU. But in my head, if I think about it for even just a little bit longer, I'm like, the best change would just to not be Mormon anymore and like convince everyone to stop paying into this church and convince all these Mormons to just be free and let Mormonism die. But I know that that's not a realistic like expectation. That's just not going to happen. But so I, I do agree that changing the name is a good step, but I just want to get rid of it. (laughs) There's a lot more that needs to be done. And there was this great there's this great meme I saw, and I wish I would have saved it. Maybe I did. I can't remember. Maybe you even shared it, Katie. This is embarrassing. It might have been shared on our own platform. <laughs> I don't know. But I think it sums it up great, where it's like, you know, it, it's a meme saying, like, we, you know, I wish the Mormon church invested as much in Black Lives Matter as they did Prop 8. Oh, yeah, I did share that. Yeah. Yeah, it's embarrassing. So it was you. Um <laughs> But it's so true. Like, and also, I try to, like, Google this, but, you know, the church never gives its financial records and you can't see anything. But I was like, you know, that's all great and dandy that, you know, Russell Nelson spoke out about how he condemns racism. But what about the action? First of all, we talked about this over and over again, how they haven't acknowledged it. They haven't apologized. But also, have they even donated money to any of these organizations that are fighting this cause that are anti-racism like have they has a church donated anything I highly doubt it like I could be wrong but I feel like if they have we would have seen it being shared all over the place and I kind of think that they haven't because I'm just gonna be honest I know some Mormons who 
are they don't like the term Black Lives Matter because they're white and they are racist. So I feel like if the church donated to Black Lives Matter, some Mormons would be upset about that, which is quite telling. Well, some, I think the vast majority of Mormons would be, because as that article mentioned, it's a white church. It's a predominantly white religion. So, and, you know, I think it's fair to say that most, if not all Mormons to a certain extent are racist if they're, you know, proactive in the church and believe the doctrine and pay tithing to this institute that refuses to acknowledge the past racism and continuous racism. I mean, you guys, we're not talking about just from the church doctrine up until 1978. We're talking about, I mean, just recently, I think it was 2013 is when they just changed the manual to not encouraging young people or uh, young single adults to date outside their race. That's right. And see, I was, I wasn't aware of that until recently either, but yeah, I just saw it wasn't, that's so recently to only seven years ago, they finally yeah. took out the part that said, don't date outside your race. Yeah, exactly. So this oh. isn't, this is an old stuff that we're we're talking about. This is stuff that it's still recent. And and this idea, you know, these teachings are so embedded in the culture. And for me, I'm just like in this white religion, I find it, it it's not going to be an and that's why the church doesn't want to apologize or publicly stand with um, Black Lives Matter movement or donate. I mean, again, we could be wrong. Maybe they have, but I highly doubt it, as Katie mentioned, because most of the members would not be happy with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, so. yeah. Well, that's Brigham Young. Yay. <laughs> yeah, you guys, that's BYU. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I think... That's about it for this week. But thank you all for listening and for supporting us. We appreciate it. Yes. Thank you. And as always, you know, keep keep up the good fight and do your part as much as you can. Um, any any way you can fight and keep awareness with with this whole situation and spread anti-racism and not just full on racism. Keep doing your part, you guys. Um, And if you have any questions, if any listeners have experienced any type of racism in the church in BYU, please, and you want to share your story or use our platform as an opportunity to spread more awareness, please, please, please reach out. Um, We want to do our part as much as possible and make sure that our platform is being used in the best way to help create even more awareness and action to help this cause. Yes. 100%. Well said. Amen. <laughs> Thanks. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. All right. In the name of Celestial Jesus and Emma Smith, bless her heart. Amen. <laughs> amen. And bringing down 55 wives. Amen. Oh, yeah. Amen. <laughs> Bye. Bye.